It's our guest, Director of Communications of the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence. The CGSV seeks to secure freedom from gun violence, and they use research, strategic engagement, and effective policy advocacy. They're composed of 47 national organizations working together to reduce gun violence. More than the pleasure to have Lad back on the show. Lad, good afternoon. Thank you for being back here this afternoon, and welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay, we had failed votes in the Senate. We now have a sit-in, but let's talk about the failure uh, in the Senate. Some people, Senator Dick Durbin was on the show yesterday and said he believes it's a powerful first step that we see Republicans breaking breaking ranks with their party, and we see uh, polls showing the nation coming together regardless of ideology, uh, overwhelming majority with regard to background checks, and even uh, more than 50% now with regard to a ban on semi-automatic weapons, on assault rifles. Um, Now we see the sit-in on the House floor. Um, uh, Let's talk about what this gun violence prevention push does, even when we've had a failure like we've seen in the Senate. Well, I mean, we're we're seeing real political movement happening. Um, You know, what's interesting, of course, is even after the failed vote, you know, in past years, that would have been the end of it, right? You know, after Sandy Hook, we saw a vote. The vote failed. That was the end of it. Uh, Work is still going on in the Senate, however, to get fresh votes. Uh, Susan Collins and Heidi Heitkamp have come together. They're trying to hammer out a compromise on uh, the terror gap amendment. Um, We know that Pat Toomey is working, trying to hammer out a compromise on background checks. Uh, What that signals clearly is that uh, Republicans in the chamber and and more conservative Democrats feel pressured now to do something, that they can't let it lie, that they know they have to take some action or they might be looking for new jobs pretty soon. Uh, When we look at... This movement, if you will, first of all, the chamber voted on four pieces of gun related legislation uh, and two of those specifically would have strengthened gun laws. And in in doing so, doesn't research show this would, in fact, save lives? I mean, it is just terrific when you look at the numbers since 1968, more people died by guns than all the people that have died in wars the United States been engaged in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, uh, Senator Murphy's bill was a universal background check bill. Um, you know, estimates, um, there are new estimates now that find that approximately 40% of gun sales are private sales that occur with no background check whatsoever. Anyone, no matter how dangerous or violent they are, could buy a gun through that manner, cash and carry. Um, doing a universal background check bill at the federal level to regulate all that sales, there is no doubt that that would have saved countless of thousands of lives uh, in the near term as, as well as the long term. So, um, that was a big ticket item. The other item on there, you know, uh, preventing suspected terrorists um, from buying guns. We're talking there about a much more limited population. You know, there's, we're only talking, I think, there about a number of Americans, you know, roughly maybe 10 to 20,000. So much more limited population there. But, you know, w- we saw in Orlando the capability that one man, the damage that one man can do with the weapons that are now available on the civilian market. So, uh, these are important reforms. Do you think that after something like this happens, many of us are consumed with why? Was it mental illness? Were they radicalized? Was this person uh, just a self-hating you know, hating individual? There are reports today that perhaps he had AIDS and was blaming the entire gay community, specifically that club, which he allegedly had frequented. The list goes on. And they're not looking at the elephant in the room, which is that gun. Yeah, you know, does it matter anymore? You know, you know, one guy hates African Americans. The next guy has a reason to hate the LGBTQ community. You know, the next guy is a misogynist. I mean, th- does it matter anymore? 
Um, you know, all the lives that we're losing are precious. Um, but the, the familiar refrain in all of them is easy access to firearms, is individuals that had, for whatever reason, a long history of violence. Everyone around them is aware of it. Their family members are aware of it. Law enforcement has had multiple contacts with them. Their coworkers are scared and aware of it. I mean, this story repeats itself with every Absol- mass shooter. Absolutely. Lab will continue. We Absolutely. We'll continue talking with Lad Everett. Lad is Director of Communications of the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence. Back with him, back with you right after this. Don't go away. We are back. Happy Wednesday. I'm Leslie Marshall. Lad Everett is Director of Communications of the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence. Lad, thank you for holding. Welcome back. We were talking before the break how the elephant in the room is the gun. And, and, and like you say, and I know people hate this phrase, what difference does it make? Well, obviously, if somebody is radicalized versus mental illness, et cetera, But the common denominator in all of these mass killings, whether it be mental illness, whether it be anger and rage, somebody who's just suicidal and wants to take people with them, uh, you know, self-hatred, self-loathing, whether it be somebody who is directed by ISIS or doing it uh, because they've become self-radicalized for ISIS, whether they are racist, um, the, the, the list goes on. Uh, the the common denominator is the gun, and not just the gun, but we're seeing more and more the type of gun being used. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, there's always going to be people out there that uh, want to do harm to themselves or others for, for a number of reasons. But, you know, do we want to allow one person to take out more than 50 people with him and destroy the lives of God knows how many other people? Um, you know, this is just ridiculous. Um, you know, it's the opposite of civilization. It's a, uh, it's a country where the gun industry is running roughshod over, over the rest of us and putting public safety uh, in direct danger. And it's, uh, it's time for a change, and I think the actions that we're seeing in the Senate and the House uh, reflect that mentality, which, which Americans are feeling right now. Uh, yeah, no question about that. Let's talk about some of that legislation more specifically. And, <clears throat> excuse me, the First Amendment that was introduced by Senator Dianne Feinstein from the state I'm in in California, um, this would have allowed the U.S. Attorney General to prohibit those suspected of terrorist activity from purchasing firearms while allowing for due process. To me, that is such a common sense uh, regulation. Look, I, I don't want any kind of racial profiling, but... Um, somebody suspected of terrorist activity, as we've seen historically, isn't just somebody with a certain last name. I mean, they have to be literally suspected of terrorist activity. And by the way, that's not just radical Islamic terrorism. Uh, that could be somebody aligned with uh, a neo-Nazi group like we saw of the man uh, in the UK who uh, took the life of the British parliamentary member, Ms. Cox. Um, so how can this be something that Republicans would not be open to, is this directly a result of not just the NRA's influence and hold over this party, but the NRA's interest in the profits they receive receive kickbacks from gun manufacturers? Well, absolutely. Look, the, the NRA's priority in all this is they want the gun sale to go ahead and go through to that individual who, who's on one of the terrorist watch lists before the government can intervene and then challenge that purchase, right? They want the gun sale made. Ka-ching, the register goes, you get the profit, um, et cetera, et cetera. What Diane Feinstein was trying to do was to block the sale up front and then allow that person due process to challenge in court if they believe the sale has been denied for an illegitimate reason. That's one of the key points they're squabbling here. Are we going to deny the sales or not up front? 
And then another thing, you know, the other things, you know, you, it would be how the due process looks, who they would be petitioning to, the length of time, things like that. But that's basically what they're squabbling over. Um, and, you know, like you were suggesting with your comments, I don't think the American people care. I think they want these sales blocked. I think the American people support due process. And, uh, you know, I fully agree with a process whereby people blocked could petition if they believe there's mistakes that have been made. And one thing that Senator Collins' compromise would do would be if you successfully petition, the government would even pay your legal fees. So there's good faith efforts being made to assure due process, but that's not – the NRA ultimately doesn't care about due process. What they care about is making that sale, regardless of whether the person buying that gun is the most polite, respectful, law-abiding citizen you know or he's the child molester down the block. They don't care. Like you said, they get tens of millions of dollars from gun companies every year through their Ring of Freedom program. And when the gun industry is making sales, the NRA is doing better. Let's talk about the second bill that was introduced. Senator Chris Murphy, a Democrat from Connecticut, uh, he was the one who led that emotional 15-hour filibuster last week uh, on Thursday, calling for the votes. Um, And all he's asking for is, universal background checks on all gun sales. Again, why such pushback when you have, what, 92% of Americans who support this? What we're talking about are these gun show loopholes that people in the NRA or extreme right-wing gun nuts um, say there is no uh, such loophole, Uh, but we know that there is. Years ago, I worked in Sacramento, California, and my producers went out to a gun show and could have bought almost anything, no background check, uh, no waiting period. And by the way, waiting period to me, again, Uh, is key Um, because, I mean, God knows if there would have been an Orlando nightclub massacre at Pulse had this guy had to wait a longer period of time to obtain uh, his weapons Um, because he did, you know, buy them legally. Um, Speak to us about that. And also, if you could even further speak to us about the gun uh, sellers, Uh, my understanding is, and I think the Brady campaign has this information, like 86% of people selling um, out there are doing the right thing, are, are crossing every T and dotting every I, and are not contributing to people using guns for crime. Um, but about 5% of uh, those gun sellers are not. So uh, first, let's talk about universal background checks, that uh, that gun show loophole, and then um, also those selling the guns that are supposed to you know, be you know, following the regulations and the rules to the T, which we're finding the majority are, but not all. Yeah, well, on the, on the universal background check piece, the NRA is opposing that because they know that many gun sales, approximately 40% of gun, ta- gun sales, are taking place in that unregulated second, uh, secondary market, right, between private parties without background checks and without records of sale. As long as that loophole stays open, as long as you have that unregulated secondary market, what you can do is you can overproduce your product, you can manufacture, produce, and distribute more product, knowing that some of it is going to be purchased uh, by primary purchasers, people that can pass background checks, who will then traffic it to purchasers who cannot legally buy guns in the secondary market. So for the NRA, keeping that loophole open, allowing people who are violent and prohibited an outlet to purchase guns that they otherwise wouldn't be able to purchase, again, for them, is a good, is a good sales strategy. It's a good strategy to boost their profits. Uh, On the subject of waiting periods, to be fair, in Florida there was a a brief waiting period for the handgun purchase, I believe it was three days, 
but for the assault rifle um, that the shooter there used, he was able to take uh, immediate uh, uh, possession of that weapon. At the federal, well, level- yeah, but but think about think about it. If he had not had that weapon immediately, mm-hmm. and 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 had to wait, and to me, three days is not. I'm sorry, I think thirty days. I mean, you need a cooling off period. I mean, there's no. I'm sorry if somebody's standing outside your door and you you're, you're scared for your life. Call nine one one. I mean, whatever a person is buying it for, I don't believe, and I I I'm sure people could do studies on this that 30 days would not make a difference. Well, whether or not whether or not 30 days may, would make a difference to this guy, and with this guy, it probably wouldn't have. I mean, this guy was so angry and disturbed. You know, I, I he probably would have waited a month and still attacked. But the bigger point here, I think is that the man told at least two people he was going to do this. He told, the Orlando gunman told his wife and a, and a colleague, a, a private security guard he worked with, that he was going to commit mass murder. And there is nothing in our system. And, and by the way, the Aurora shooter did too. He told the psychiatrist he was going to commit mass murder. And the fact that we have nothing in our system, even when someone announces yeah, but we do. But don't we? Don't we? Block them? Don't 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 we? Don't we have that? Because um, I know that there was. Uh, this is very different, but still, um, I'd lost a child in 2004. I was very depressed, and I went to see a counselor. And I remember her saying, "Are you thinking about harming yourself or others?" And I said, "Well, not others, but I am thinking about harming myself." Why? And she goes, "I need you to be very specific and clear with me because if you were thinking about harming yourself, like taking your life." I must report this. That is the law. And then we, you know, work through it. And I'm still here, obviously, did not take my life. However, uh, I thought that even though there is that um, client, um, you know, shrink confidentiality, uh, that that if somebody um, is thinking about harming another individual, it is their responsibility to inform the authorities. Well, yeah, you can inform the authorities, but we have no federal law that would allow those authorities to then place you or, or the person who's being reported into the FBI's NICS database so that you'd be blocked when you go to buy a gun. There are some states that have that law on the books, but we're talking about a handful of states. Right. You know, we're talking about, like, California, New York, Connecticut, and a couple of others. It's not a large group, but there is no federal law. When James Holmes and Aurora told the psychiatrist he wanted to kill her and commit mass murder, she informed the campus police. She called the campus police and told them they barred him from campus, but there was no way right. she could have had him barred from buying guns. There's just there's, there's no prohibition there. Um, the system there's and there's also there's also no opportunities here for short term in, interventions like a gun violence restraining order policy like they have in California, where family members or law enforcement could at least petition a judge to temporarily remove firearms from someone like the Orlando gunman. So, you know, you don't have short-term interventions. You don't have very strict prohibited categories for gun buyers. So, you know, what you end up with is a system where there's a zillion red flags, everyone around these shooters knows they're violent, and no one can do anything about it. And I have to, I have to, you know, uh, tell you when one of the things that I was encouraged by, and I'm a pessimist lad by nature, okay, um, but one of the things that encouraged me was to see some Republicans stand alongside Democrats. Do you think in the future, and God forbid, we have to have many more victims to get this done, um, but that we will see enough because it's really only a few uh, Republican majority that we have in the Senate to get something like this done, or to get the the momentum to move in that direction. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I honestly believe that what we're witnessing now is kind of the start of the gun violence prevention movement's democracy spring. I really do. I think what we're seeing now 
is what we've waited for a long time, which is a tipping point. And, you know, whether or not uh, the Senate and House, as it currently consists, is going to be able to pass anything meaningful and get it to the president's desk, I don't know. But I am very encouraged by the fact that efforts are still being made along those lines, some of those efforts led by Republicans like Susan Collins. But I do think that going into November, this is going to be a huge issue in the November election. Hillary Clinton clearly thinks so because she's leading with this issue. And uh, I think we are going to have significant regime change in November. Um, I mean, you could, you know, you could see Kelly Ayotte the other day, the senator from New Hampshire, uh, speaking before the vote in the Senate. She looked pale as a ghost. No, she very... was clearly terrified. Yeah, a lot of republic, a lot of Republicans don't know what to do. They're damned if they do. They're damned if they don't. And as a Democrat, I'm sorry, but I'm kind of enjoying watching them sweat. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I am. I am as well. You know, I, I have no sympathy for these people. So, you know, but we're in a good place right now. We weren't in that place after Sandy Hook, even though Sandy Hook was an equally gruesome or more gruesome tragedy. So, um, you know, I'm very comfortable with with where we are right now. I love the fact that there is still movement in the Senate, movement being led by Senator uh, Republicans in some case. And I mean, this sit in in the House today was just I mean, we could not have more energy in our movement right now. And we are going to, I mean, we're going to roll like a train downhill into November. Now, Lad, there are people out there, and I think it's a, a fair question, who would, you know, say to you, Lad, I hear you, but universal background checks don't necessarily stop this. Um, if somebody's on a no-fly list, if somebody uh, is on a terrorist uh, watch list, and even if we get rid of some of the weaponry, because somebody could go to the streets on the black market and get such uh, weapons. Lad, isn't it more difficult to move weapons like this around if there is a federal ban? The, the black market is private sales, and the NRA has legalized it. That black market argument is ridiculous. A black market transfer is when two private parties transfer a gun between each other, and there's no record of that sale, and there's no background check. The NRA has legalized that behavior in about 40 states, okay? So the NRA has legalized the black market. Chris Murphy's universal background check bill would, for the first time on a federal level, regulate that black market. So I would argue to the, the person that, that puts up that incredulous argument, um, yeah, the black market's a problem. Why don't we regulate it now, like every other free country does? Well, after the Senate last Thursday, now today, Georgia Representative John Lewis is leading a sit-in on the House floor. Um, he's pushing Republicans to address gun violence in the legislative chamber. I uh, mentioned what he had said before. Um, and he said, uh, in addition, sometimes you have to do something out of the ordinary. Sometimes you have to make a way out of no way. We have been too quiet for too long. There comes a time when you have to say something, when you have to make a little noise, when you have to move your feet. This is the time. Now is the time to get in the way. Now, this is a man who has been a leader in civil rights. This is a man who knows what it's like to make a noise, to move your feet, knows when it's time, knows when you need to get in the way, and knows when you've been quiet for too long. Uh, when we look at Congressman Lewis's uh, history, um, you know, are, are, do you feel, because I do as a Democrat, that I thought something would have been done after Sandy Hook, for sure, with so many dead children. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, should should our politicians, especially the Democrats, be doing things like this w- without the headlines, 50 died in a nightclub, 24 children in a classroom? 
I don't know. That's a good question. You know, I think I think that will be a question for, you know, maybe future generations to debate why, you know, they are going to ask what took them so long, right? I'm sure my grandchildren and others will look back and say, what took them so long? Why did this linger for so long? And I don't, I don't have an immediate answer for why that's the case. But if I was looking for people to blame as to why it lingered so long, I, John Lewis would not be on that list, nor would Chris Murphy. Um, why they, in terms of why they're taking these types of extraordinary steps, I think it's because these are extraordinary times. We have a Congress that's corrupt, that does nothing, um, and that refuses to respond to the decimation of American families because of largesse from the gun industry. You know, and, and, yes, and very true. And something else we forget, somebody like uh, Chris Murphy, that man sat with those people. That man saw those coffins put in the ground of little children. Uh, that man held the hands and the trembling bodies of mothers and fathers who will never see their children again. Um, you know, sometimes people don't understand the impact that it has on a community and the person who represents that constituency. Led, thank you so much for joining us. We love having you on. We'll have you back, of course. Led Everett is Director of Communications of the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence. Their website is csgv.org. Follow them on Twitter at csgv and follow Lad at Lad Everett, L-A-D-D-E-V-E-R-I-T-T. There's nothing better for your health than good sleep. That's why Haverty's Furniture has partnered with the Scott Brothers to offer Scott Living Mattresses, now $250 off. Expect no pressure, just support from the Haverty's Sleep Experts. Tap now or visit Haverty's.com. 